Ours is Sefiri is proudly hosted by Red Nation Online. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and everywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. Welcome to episode 38 of Ours is the Fury, this week with Ryan. Hey. Tim. Hey. And special guest, Carlos Verde. Hola. For those of you who don't know, Carlos uh, is one of the uh, original Fury bloggers. He had the flashes of the Fury blog. Uh, he worked for the Ottawa Fury Communications Department uh, last year, pretty much all season. He's currently writing for Northern Starting 11 and uh, Last Words on Sports. And interestingly, he's going to work for the Ottawa Champions uh, this summer as well in the communications department. So we're happy to have you on. How's it going? Uh, really good. I'm, I'm happy to be here and happy to talk Fury. Yeah, that's happy and Fury in the same sentence. That's, that's a good start. <laughs> happy to talk about Fury, not, not happy about the Fury so far. You weren't happy watching the game last week? Well, you know, uh, zero zero tie and, uh, you know, appeals for a handball maybe on uh, Stefan Antonievich, the Tampa center back. But really, there was like three chances the entire game. I mean, there was, what, two shots on target? But, we, but we lead the league in chances. <laughs> well, yes, but you lead, you lead the league in chances, but when you're giving up three a game, it doesn't matter how many chances you create because you're going to lose most times. So let's uh, have a look at how the Fury lined up. So obviously we had Pizer in goal. We had our standard center backs, Falvey and Alves, and Ryan Richter uh, on the right. No surprises there. And then we had Trafford as left back. Um, how do you guys think he fared? I think he fared pretty well. Yeah, I want to see Trafford play more often. I think he uh, losing his spot at the start of the season I don't think was fair, and it's glad to see him back. I think uh, there's there's a bit of a recurring trend here with the Fury where you're seeing maybe local players or players that have already been here for a little while being replaced by the shiny new toy. And I don't know if that's Mark Dos Santos's you know own personal judgment call, but for me, Colin Falvey is a USL pro level defender. He spent four or five years with Charleston Battery. He is a third division level defender. At this level, I don't think he cuts it as a center back, and I think that Mason Trafford, as the Ironman with the Fury last year, showed that he is a serviceable NASL defender, and I think he should be seeing more minutes at center back. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think Charlie Trafford did really well. Uh, I just called him Charlie. That's his cousin. I mean, Mason Trafford <laughs> did pretty well uh, last season, and it, it's kind of weird that now he has to play as left back. Uh, I thought he did a pretty good job, although going forward, he, he doesn't do much. Um, but, you know, who can blame him? That, like his natural position is centre-back. You know, that's not exactly um, a very offensive position un unless your name is Sergio Ramos or um, David Luiz. But let's not get into European football for now. Um, in terms of uh, Falvey's quality, hey, man, he played in the Indian Super League. You know, he, he's basically a, a star of the, of the beautiful game. <clears throat> but in his defence, I'd say uh, he actually brings a lot of grit to the team and a lot of fire that, you know, maybe we were missing on the back line at times? I'm, yes, he's good, and I mean, he's, he's vicious. He can make those hard tackles. You know, he's kind of a no-nonsense, almost a Shawcross type of defender if we right. want to go back to the Stoke days. Um, but pace has been a real issue. Lance Lang torched us in the Canadian Championship. Lucky Kosana torched us multiple times with the Cosmos a couple weeks ago. And I think that defensive pairing of Colin Falvey and Raphael Alves just isn't quite mobile enough right now. Wouldn't you like to have Woodbine at this point? 
Woodbine takes up an international slot, though, and I and remember the pace. talking to Mark about it last year when I was still with the club a bit, and he would say, you know, if you have an international spot taken, that guy has to be a starter. He has to be somebody that's going to contribute and stand out at this level, and for me, O'Brien Woodbine is a guy that's kind of on that cusp between NASL and USL level. Right. Yeah, I think it would be nice to see Alvis and Trafford um, see how they do. Have we seen that yet? Maybe in the V-Cup game? No. I don't think so. Don't but that would be the obvious choice, right? If we were making the lineup. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd put that. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to say a few things about Pizer. Like, I've been noticing, like, he's great. He's saving a lot of balls and stuff. But he tends to, like, rebound the balls. Like, a, a lot of them that are catch, like catchable and, like, always to the center. It drives me nuts. To that, I'd say that, you know, he's he's a very dramatic and active goaltender. You know, he's always he's always jumping about. He's always, you know making that extra motion after making a save. And, you know, sometimes maybe he does it to look good. Who knows? Maybe he does it to keep the play going because he thinks his team has some momentum or what have you. But at the end of the day, I think Pizer's one of the best goalies in the NSL. Bar none. Yeah, he's, he's definitely awesome. Um, then we had Drew Becky, De Guzman, and Patterson as, as our midfielders. No. Nope, that's not correct. That's uh, The NSL got that one wrong. Oh, okay, why is it in our freaking sheet then? Because <laughs> I was thinking cause it's Ubi that was actually yeah. Uh, Ubi Parapovich oh. was playing on, playing in the midfield for this game. Um, so yeah, Drew Becky playing in that central defensive midfield role again. Uh, it's another example of a player that that did well last year, and now, you know, he has to try his luck in a, in a position that's not natural to him. But he did a really good job, and he won uh, NASL Player of the Week for his performance. So No, he's on the Team of the Week. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> full of full of <laughs> wrong facts today, am I not? <laughs> Drew Becky's a serviceable guy at this level. I think he's, he's a guy that you can plug into the lineup. He can play right back. He can play center back. He can play that defensive mid role better than I think any other non-central midfielder could on this team. Uh, I think he, I think he's a really good player, and I'm I'm surprised that we haven't seen him more often this year. Yeah, it'd be nice if he got more minutes. Uh, I, he's kind of playing out of position, and we you know we have all these injuries, so they're putting him in strange spots. But he's a good he's turned into a utility guy, and that's a great role for him right now. But I really like to see him back on being a defender full time. Question for you guys: Is Drew Becky that much worse than Ryan Richter at right back? No, I think he's almost interchangeable. Yeah. Yeah. I think probably Richter is probably a little better moving forward. but Richter, I think, communicates more uh, when he's going up the pitch and he's more vocal. And that's one thing. I, I just see that. no need to change that position right now because Ryan Richter does sort of like a solid job. Not great, but not like good enough. You know, it's not like he's done any huge mistakes and he's stable. Yeah, so here's the part of the team that really I th- I have a lot of issue with. Who who is who are our attacking three this game, John? Uh, it was Poltronieri on as in the left wing, and then Howarth on the right, and uh, Wiedemann got the start because Tommy Heinemann uh, is nursing an injury. So how many attacks did we have? How how much pressure did we actually put on the other team's goal? Well, from what I can remember, not very much. I mean, it was a 0-0. Plus, I'm, I'm, I've, I have this terrible cold, and I just felt like crap on Saturday. So, like, I was just uh, more occupied with myself. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, though. We created 
the Fury created less than Jacksonville did in Tampa in their 3-2 mm-hmm. loss. So, you know, if you want to com- make comparisons between expansion teams, you're talking Ottawa, Indy, and Jacksonville. And I think Ottawa and Indy are definitely a couple of miles behind Jacksonville at this point in time. And, of course, there's always the excuses for that that we've heard over and over, um, you know, related to budget. Players, maybe, you know, Jacksonville's a more attractive place to play than Indiana or eastern Ontario. But, but then when you look at the facilities, our stadium is way better than either of Indianapolis or Jacksonville's. I think it balances out, plus... Mark's a guy that I think a lot of players want to play for compared to Jurgen Sommer. Uh, down down south in Jacksonville, Oyos and Villarreal have their own contacts within the Latin soccer community. So obviously, you know, seven out of their 11 starters are from Central America. So that's its own thing. But I think it balances out. So I, d- I don't really believe in, the, in some of the excuses in terms of why teams are so vastly uh, apart in the standings. Yeah, for sure. And there, there's, that's something that you know, we're not that far out of it. Like, we got five points, right? In how many games now? Six? We're not that far out of it when the... In what's fourth place right now? I don't know the top of my head. It's, 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 it's something like seven points. Yeah, right? no, we're only, we're only two or three back of fourth place. But I think you look at it, it's five out of 18 possible points. And it's right. the way that they've lost, right? I mean, in New York, they created... Two chances? I don't, Three chances? I don't agree that the, it's the way that we've lost has been bad. I think we've been playing okay. Like the, the 3-1 loss against Fort Lauderdale Strikers, I, I don't think that score reflected what happened in the game necessarily. And the second half against the Cosmos was pretty good. Like we had a couple chances that, you know, any other striker in the NASL probably would have converted. But, you know, we have Heinemann and that's another story. Um... Uh, but uh, yeah, do you guys want to add anything else to that? Or, um, well, I'd like to go through a couple of incidents that happened in the game. Yeah, yeah well, let's talk about the the Alvis Pizer collision that that sent Alvis off early. Um, and you know, describe that scene for us, Tim. Uh, they just kind of uh, there's a cross in the box, and they just kind of both went at it feet first and collided, and apparently Alvis. Alves came off and apparently he had 16 stitches. Mm-hmm. He was cut up pretty bad. Was it, was it, I wasn't at the game. I was in Toronto. Was, was it uh, his leg cut up or? Yeah, it was his thigh. Oh, it was like right so here. cleats in the thigh. Yeah, he kind of collided awkwardly with Pizer. Uh, yeah, Pizer went down, got back up, and then went down again. And we thought DeBelli would come in, but never happened. Pizer stayed on. Yeah, a part of the game I saw was um, Stacchio. He was, uh, he was chasing one of the players that got by him, and he fell, and he like put his arms out like to try to grab him, and he totally missed him, which is good because I think it would have been like a card for sure, and nothing happened on the play, obviously. Um, what, how, how do you play? Because I only, I only saw like my my feed was on and off, so I only. Saw I remember one there. scene where he had like a complete uh, brain freeze, and like he just gave it away in their own half, and nearly led to like a deadly. Scoring chance, but but by the same token, Julian de Guzman did that, and he's making five to seven times more than Ustakio is. Yeah, and I mean Ustakio is a guy that he's a youngster. Mark wants to get him minutes, but with Richie Ryan and Julian de Guzman ahead of him at that holding mid position, it's gonna be tough for him to get into the, to the team this year. And I, I almost think 
Mark might think about sending him out on a short-term loan once Richie comes back healthy, just to get him some minutes because he's only made a handful of appearances this year. He's struggled for fitness, and I think he's a guy that needs to get those minutes, whether it's in the third division here in the USL or maybe maybe even in a lower league team over in Portugal where he's from. Um, as an aside, by the way, um, what is your view on Julian de Guzman? Here on the podcast, we've uh, been you know, sort of taking a positive uh, perspective on him. Um, where do you fall? He's a 34-year-old guy that has played on teams that have been back-to-back relegated in Greece and, uh, sorry, yeah, Greece and uh, Regensburg in Germany as well. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, he's Julian de Guzman. He's, he's a guy that's going to run a lot. He's not going to do anything too flashy offensively. He's still pretty passable at this level, but, you know, he's definitely not a guy that's going to change this team's fortunes, as was advertised, I guess you could say, when the signing was made. He's, this is the last stop for him. I don't see him getting another contract in pro soccer after this one. No, definitely not. There was one scene in the game where, like, he had all the space to shoot and, like, no one to pass to So he was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to shoot. <laughs> and it was just the worst <laughs> shot of life. I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about. Locksmith. Yeah, yeah. It was, you uh, can't not. not People can't, can't see that. <laughs> I, I still don't. I still think there's not a guy in this league that uses his body as well as Julian does. And, the way and he shields the ball. it and then yeah. he moves backwards. And, 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 like, and the yeah. way he can move the ball. I think Ibsen from Minnesota, had he not gotten hurt here in that game, I think Ibsen could have been the best player in the league in the spring season. He's a yeah. guy that... Isn't that old? He's only 31 or 32. He just played in Brazil as a starter last year. And, you know, he goes down with a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. But I think he, he had the potential to... And I, and I know certain people in the soccer community, agents and stuff, that thought he's a guy that could take over the league this year. Yeah. And unfortunately, he didn't because he got hurt on the turf, right? But overall, the game was pretty physical. Um, not a lot of chances. I, I, I struggle to remember many chances any really from Tampa come to think of it I was really surprised because last week we were talking about Tampa you know on paper they look like a scary team offensively and and they're a big team yeah but you have to remember they were missing the best setup guy in the league in Georgie Kristov and a former MLS striker in Mike Santos so they were missing their two best offensive weapons up front in a very similar fashion to what Fury had, right? Heinemann's out. Not that Heinemann is anywhere near my Santos in terms of finishing, but like they were missing. And I, I talked to Thomas Rongen about it, their head coach, after the game, and he's like, you know, we're not pleased with a point, but we're happy with the point based on how the game went and who we had out. So take that as you will. Did you comment on his bow tie? How can you not? I mean, he's, he's, he has to be the funniest character to follow on social media in the league. Like, coach or player or team. He's just, he's such a character. And, you know, he, he, he just come back from his post-game smoke break, you know, with his buddies outside that he knew in Ottawa from 20 years ago or whatever. He, he's a funny guy. A nice guy. And uh, I feel like something must have happened, though, because he won the MLS Cup as a head coach in 1999, and he hasn't coached in MLS since 1999. So I wonder if something happened there. No uh, bow tie policy in the MLS. <laughs> uh, yeah, the biggest chance of the game was probably Wiedemann's chip, which I thought had gone in. Like, it was in the air for such a long time. I was like, yay! Oh. So that, that was a, could have been a nice finish. He did everything right, but uh, just, you know, that bit of luck gone missing. 
Locksmith, you wrote in here that there was a cross box miss from Paul Turner. Yeah, Paul Turner had a chance in like the six yard box. I don't know who put it through. I'm assuming Ubi, but he just couldn't get a foot on it. It went past. Hmm. That was probably. The Speaking of him, uh, what's your opinion on, on on him so far, guys? On Ubi Perpovich? No, I meant uh, Paul Turner. Oh, Paul Turner. He's a guy that. Uh, He's going to work hard. He's all about the team and the fans and the club, and he loves being here. He loves the fact he's playing pro soccer, which is refreshing because there's guys on the team like Uba Parapovich that you're not even sure if he wants to play the game anymore. You're not even sure if he's going to show up when he's on the field. Poltrinari, you know you're going to get an effort, and while he had a touch in the second half where he was in clear on Matt Pickens, and he just basically passed it to the Tampa goalkeeper. It was such a bad touch. He's not a striker. He was playing up front out of necessity. But you know what? He's a, he's a giver, giver kind of guy. He's going to give everything for the club. And I think good depth signing. He doesn't take up an international spot, I don't think. So I'm perfectly fine with that signing. He can play anywhere on the left side. I'm, I'm pretty happy with Poltrinieri overall. Hmm. Yeah, there's... Who are our seven international spots? Because we heard the rumors today, right? Of... There's, there's a guy training with the team. Emiliano Bonazzolti or Zoli or something. Yeah, yeah. played for Regina in Syria. 36 years old, 6'3". Hasn't scored a goal in two years. Yeah. I he's, think it's... it's he's, get, he's on here. a great rate for a striker. That's a good rate for a striker. <laughs> but so if we're going to sign a striker... You'd have to make We have room. to seven... Yeah, we have to make room. And I believe Patterson counts as a domestic because he went to the University he of does. Las Vegas. No, he's international. Is he? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. So what we're you... full of international. Yeah, we're full. Who are the seven? Pizer. Well, Alves, Pizer. Falvey. Falvey, yeah. Falvey. <laughs> Patterson. Ryan. Ryan. That's five. Paolo. Oliver. Six. And Paolo, yeah, there's, there's the seven. Yeah. So out of those seven... Who would you give up for a striker? Falvey. <laughs> we're deep enough on defense. We are. Okay, we made now. But, yeah. All right, that's it. Colin Falvey is cut. That's not going to happen though, because uh, for some reason Dos Santos really likes Falvey, right? So I, I really like Falvey. Yeah. Um, I, I agree, he doesn't have the best pace, but he's the kind of character guy you, you need to glue the team together. So who would you uh, give up? It's, it's hard. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I hope one of them gets injured. No, I don't know. Just <laughs> but I would have said Patterson last year, but he's just, like had yeah, a pretty good year this year. Yeah. I, I just really think we're desperate for another striker, but I don't know if this guy is, is the one. 36 years old, no goal in two years, come on. And he provides the same kind of hulking aerial threat that Heinemann in theory does. I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> this, team, this team needs a striker that is somewhere between Tom Heinemann and Andrew Wiedemann. Wiedemann is quick, but not quick enough. His finish isn't quite there. Heinemann is big, but he flops on 75% of his aerial challenges and then scores the other 25%. Yeah, so that's true. I wouldn't say Wiedemann's quick though. He's quicker than Heinemann, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, if this if this was FIFA, he'd have about a seventy sprint speed. Yeah. I think Wiedemann's pretty quick, but I think on long runs, he he's not fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, uh, we're also not very fast at uh, taking a break. So let's take one, <laughs> and uh, we'll speak to you guys soon.
You're listening to Ours is the Fury, your number one source for all things Ottawa Fury FC. Who's that? Anyway, <laughs> um, now we're back and we have a whole new section for you. And this is where we're going to um, ask our listeners, you guys, um, who the man of the match of the game was and uh, who the dud of the game was. And uh, you can do that by tweeting to at Ottawa Fury with the hashtag Borth, or sorry, Borthwickstone. Or the hashtag too many beaver tails. Um, you know, just check out the Ottawa Fury account uh, on Twitter after the game, and it's you just have to reply to it basically. Um, Theo Gautier uh, said Ubi Parapovic looked very lively, and he gave the too many beaver tails to Eustachio because of too many giveaways. Uh, Ryan, you want to do the next one? Sure. Uh, Martin Burnt. He's, he gives the Borthwick Stone to uh, Ubi as well. Had a very good game. And uh, the Beaver Tails to Wiedemann, I guess, for missing that chip opportunity. Slash only chance of the game. <laughs> and uh, Carson says, Trafford impressed me the most, De Guzman the least. Yeah. Uh, Not a fan of De Guzman. It's a growing theme we've noticed yeah, from all our he, listeners. He polarizes. Um, yeah, he does polarize. But I'm glad Ubi gets mentioned twice just because we, we sort of failed to mention him in the first part. He did do really well and. Uh, I'm hoping he'll get to start again for the next match. Thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. Probably one of the most offensive players on the field for the Fury this game. Hey, put Ubi as striker. Just try. <laughs> I don't think he has the pace or the or the desire to go up for some of those air balls. Yeah. But uh, I disagree with Ustakio being the the too many beaver tails dud of the match because he's a guy that's struggling to regain fitness. He doesn't see a lot of reps. He came on in that game early, and I thought he did pretty admirably in that holding mid-roll just in front of the two center backs. Yes, there were some turnovers, but you have to remember that Tampa did have some pretty quick options up front, and I think those are turnovers that Julian de Guzman would have made, that Richie Ryan would have made. I think Mauro Stacchio is the brightest prospect in the Fury squad right now. I don't think there's too much else in the way of youth. Oliver seems to have regressed a little bit this year. Uh, everyone thought, oh, he's going to be the young star of the future. I don't think that he is going to replicate his form from some of the fall season last year at any point this year. Mauro, I think, is the guy that you have to look to as the next, not not homegrown, but the, the first and next young guy that's going to break into the starting 11 for the Fury. Well, speaking of young guys, um, the Fury signed a local goalkeeper. Um, his name is Walid Cassis? Cassis. Cassis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, welcome to the team. Uh, um, uh, have you seen him play, uh, Tim, uh, with the uh, academy? Not the academy, but I, th- I thought pre-season. he played during the preseason against Rochester. Yeah, he did. He's been on trial with the club on and off for a couple of months now. Uh, he's a guy that went to the University of Buffalo, uh, played Div 1 soccer there. Realistically, he's not going to get any reps. I mean, if Pizer didn't come out of that game after be- being nailed by Raphael Alves, all six foot three and a half of them, then he's not going to come out for any reason other than a serious, like, months-long injury. And, and even a guy ahead of him. DeBellis mm-hmm. is ahead of him. So I think for Cassie, this is just, you know, he's trying to catch on somewhere. He's getting a pro paycheck. And I think that's in itself a dream come true for the local kid. Another dream come true, I'm so good at these segues today, <laughs> is uh, that the supporter tickets are now $10 each. Can you believe it? So if you want tickets for Section W and stand with the Bytown Boys and the Stony Monday Riot, 
Now is the time to do so. It's ten dollars. You know, you can't get into the stadium cheaper than that, and it's a good time. So if you've sort of been on the fence and you know you've been wanting to check out the team but you haven't yet, you know, do it. Ten dollars. That's all it is. Yeah, just get in touch with one of the groups, either on Twitter or on Facebook. So get in touch with either the Bytown Boys or Stony Monday Riot, and they'll hook you up. They'll be more than happy to. Um, and then there was a general meeting in Atlanta yesterday for the NASL, but no real news came out of that. Um, but there have been lots of different um, expansion rumblings uh, coming from all kinds of different places. Um, pretty much the NASL team in, in Hartford, more or less confirmed. It's confirmed. Hartford City FC is going to start playing at Dillon Stadium, likely not for next year, but 2017. Okay. Did it, the wasn't, league? it wasn't confirmed. No, that the league. It's not officially it? no. confirmed, but right. it's confirmed via sources. Because the league has been burnt before, so they're they're little. It's it's more likely than Virginia and Oklahoma. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, and uh, then there was this thing coming out of Hamilton that they hired like a full time soccer rep, and everyone's going crazy. Yeah, Hamilton's been you know we've talked about Hamilton week in week out. Um, it's the real deal. We just don't know when. So that's fair. Hamilton's going to happen, and, you know, we've heard from the other cities, too. Uh, there was a report today that Calgary doesn't want NASL, they want MLS. I think Calgary's dreaming. They're never going to touch MLS. And MLS <laughs> is never going to touch Canada again, I don't think, so. Nope. Agreed. Yeah. But. I did hear through the grapevine that there's going to be four announced expansion teams. I, I'm 100% certain that two are going to be Hamilton and Hartford. Uh, some of the other towns that I've been hearing or you know buffalo i heard winnipeg as well which i thought was kind of weird i think that's more dreamy than anything else uh lexington kentucky yeah louisville has a team louisville has a team in usl so you know that could it's a big population area a lot a very diverse population so i could see any of those they they might actually be looking at more western franchises too i've heard new orleans as uh as a potential site it would be it would be interesting if the league could actually open up you know four or five western teams. Yeah, if I told you two years ago Jacksonville would be the number one draw in this league, you'd be like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> but they're the number one draw in this league. So. Uh, another rumor this week was that uh, Puerto Rico, uh, mm-hmm. the Islanders, may come back in some form, which I'd be super stoked about because you know who doesn't love a good away trip? New Orleans would be fun too to, to visit. Always wanted to go there. The thing with Puerto Rico, though, is that that team failed in many different installations at many different levels. Yeah, because it's just horrible travel costs. And yeah. Like... But they would continue. They played at a baseball stadium. Yeah, so big one. Yeah, so they would continue, uh, you know, our new teams playing in baseball stadiums. Yeah, I mean, you've got Jacksonville, Tampa. Yeah. So it's good to have that theme. But... <clears throat> And the other expansion news that that's actually official, official is that Cincinnati will be joining the USL next year, and so it brings the USL up to at least twenty five teams, and uh, and I heard there's they plan on doing more. The thing with USL that scares me though is that right now the league's at what twenty three, twenty four, twenty four. Oh, they're at twenty four. Yeah, and already there's such a huge gap. Between, I mean, we've seen all three of the Canadian, ML, M, Canadian MLS teams as B teams just getting shredded in UL, in USL. Especially FC Montreal. Yeah. Big. Well, the impact, obviously, are struggling the most financially out of the three Canadian MLS teams. And it's not really a surprise that they gave it the least thought. The team doesn't have its own website. 
the team doesn't have its own. I mean, it, it's a tab on the on the club page. That's what FC Montreal is. They're I think they're still playing games at Olympic Stadium. They're supposed to be playing in uh, Montreal's training ground, hmm. and uh, they they're actually gonna do some spend some money on the stadium there. And it never if, if someone can <clears throat> excuse me if someone could uh, correct us, but um, I don't see them playing there this season. And uh, the team is a U19 team, so... Of course I, they're getting power. I think they belong more in the PLSQ. And uh, it may... Maybe even PDL. Yeah, so... But we'll see what happens with uh, USL Montreal. I don't, I don't see it lasting a long time. All right, so those were some uh, news around the league and so on. Um, let's move on to the listener questions. Um, Tim, will you do us the honors and, and see what uh, people wrote in? Sure, Matt Baffiero writes in... How often does the club interact with the supporters groups? What kind of relationships do the two sides have? Well, it's just like New York and the third rail. They actually pay us to exist. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, communication between, I only can speak about one supporters group, uh, Stony Monday Riot. It's, uh, communication's really good. It's clear. Um, they, they, they help out in a lot of, like they store our stuff for us. They, uh, they don't, they don't get us arrested, but no, it's been pretty good relationships so far. Um, and there's been frequent communication, frequent communication. Yeah. And, uh, what I find is, uh, we both have the same goal. We want to get as many people out to the games as possible. And as long as you have common goals and stuff, they'll, they'll be good. But it's, it's when, when things start to change and there's problems we haven't had any problems i think the biggest problems we had was carlton security and that was outside of both of our control it was carlton's issue so yeah i, th I think the relationship's really really good uh, and then bob stinson asked there's only one question that really needs to be answered why can't the team score <laughs> can i take this one yes go for it <laughs> because the wages that are being played to the strikers don't match the wages being paid to the defenders in midfield you think Tommy Heinemann is, uh, doesn't make as much as, as like an Ubi Parvovich? He's, he's not the same value as, as anybody in the Furies midfield or anyone on the back end. I mean, Raphael Alves was one of the most sought-after defenders in the second division. There, there's been, you know, MLS interest in certain other players on the Fury. And at the end of the day, Tom Heinemann and Andy Wiedemann have combined for 11 or 12 MLS goals in a combined 100 or so caps. I mean, I, their stats are pretty similar. Tommy had, I think, six goals in the MLS, and Andrew had five or four. These guys didn't cut at the MLS level, and even in this league, Tommy's slightly better than Andrew Wiedemann in terms of his finishing, but neither cuts it, considering the chances that are being created for Fury FC, neither cuts it. Yeah, we talk about this every week. We basically need another striker. So I was quite happy when I heard that there is a striker on trial, but I doubt that particular individual is the answer. He, I, I doubt he'll sign. Nobody that's trialed with the Fury has signed immediately out of a trial. There have been plenty of players. Marcos Ramos, left back, Porto French left back, played at Law. He was here in the fall season last year when we needed a left back. He didn't sign. There's been a, quite a few players that have come, come and gone through training over the weeks, especially during the fall last year when there was a lot of injury problems. So we're not very good on the dating scene, like when they just do one date and we're done. <laughs> but another question is, uh, what's your updated prediction for points in the spring season? Only need 13 more from the last four games 
by my March 17th prediction of 18. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> not going to happen, Martin Burt, <laughs> because you can only get 12 points out of four games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you add it to our... Yeah. Well, they're, the five. team's on five right now, yeah. and they've got four games left. You've got Edmonton and Indy at home, and then you've got Jacksonville and San Antonio away. To me, the only must like guaranteed should have three points is home against Indy. The other games for me are all question marks. And even the Indy game is a question mark because Fury laid an egg against Indy last year at home in the fall season in front of a very sparse crowd in a cold October day. But they've got five, and I think they, they will take five of the next 12. So if they can end with 10, that should leave them within five to eight points of fourth, and that would at least keep them somewhat in the discussion. They, they need to win one of the next four, at least, though. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah but I agree with you. The indie game should be the easiest of the four mentioned. Um, with San Antonio this year, it's kind of... It's not the same team as last year, so but it's an away match, so... They're probably. slow starters, too. Mm-hmm. They're slow starters. By, by the last week of the fall season, or the spring season, when we have them in San Antonio, that could be a tricky game. Mm, for sure. Uh, do you guys want to add anything to that? Well, I picked 11... And 11 is still attainable, so I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> um, I think we're walking out of the rest of the games. We're getting five points. Now, get a win against Indy, and we might squeak out a win and make a six, but I think probably a couple draws. It's more realistic. Mark, after the last game, I asked him, you know, what are your adjusted goals for the spring season? And he said in this homestand with Tampa, Indy, and Edmonton, they wanted six of nine points. So basically they have to win the next two games to achieve that goal. Yeah, and whether whether or not they will, I don't know because Edmonton. If Lance Lang is in the lineup, I I could totally see a rerun of the Canadian Championship game here. Oh, I hope not. Oh. <laughs> this year's or or last year's. No, thank you. Uh, and then finally, we had a question from Saint Cody of Assisi. Um, what are your thoughts regarding the Fury Fanatics program so far? I think more U14s will attend as the weather gets nicer. I can't really speak to this because I don't really pay attention to all the younglings <laughs> running around. Yeah, I, I don't know who, who's part of it and who's just an under-14 at the game. <laughs> so I assume it's successful. All the programs have pretty much started now, right? Soccer, at the very latest, starts May 1st. And the attendance numbers haven't, haven't been great. And the crowds, by and large, haven't looked great outside of the Minnesota game. I, yeah, mean, I wonder if the 3 o'clock kickoff is, isn't the right time to target these kind of people because they probably have games and all kinds of stuff like, like that. That's true. Sounds. Weekend afternoons, yeah. That, that could be a possibility. Honestly, I was expecting around 7,000 people when, per game when they announced this program. Um, I didn't expect a, a drop in attendance. <laughs> there hasn't really been a drop, though. If you look at the fall season attendance from last year and discount the New York Cosmos game, which drew 14, it was great. Yeah. The team only averaged about 3,850. Yeah. This year, they're down to about 3,700. But that's not that much of a difference. I think what's noticeable is the rest of the league is trending upwards, with mm-hmm. the exception of Atlanta and Edmonton. The rest of the league is trending sub- like noticeably upwards, and the Fury are at the same level they were last year. Yeah, and they, you know, they kind of expected a second year, like, you know, dip. Or dip yeah, know. like a second year, like the the excitement of a new soccer team's over and all that. But 
I don't know. We'll we'll see how it turns out. I I think the weather wasn't the most amazing. There was days where I I was I bought a rain jacket before one game, but it didn't rain. But they said it was going to rain, and and uh, the the Edmonton game was freezing cold. I I've, I've only been colder once at a soccer game, and that was in New York, just this last week. And uh, yeah, so I don't think the weather's been on our side, and of course there's all the other issues. But I I think what they did with the U14s is a great great thing and they should do more programs like that and uh, this week as every week we also asked you guys a question and we said we asked you with a week off what is the one thing the fury should work on and uh, we got a couple obvious ones um darren in ottawa says winning um matt bafia says scoring more than the other team and martin bird who contributed a lot uh, this week so thanks for that he said hitting the net <laughs> And, uh, but we did have a couple longer um, answers as well. Uh, Aaron Hooper is mentioning club promotion again, which is a topic I don't want to touch on this week because I'm just so sick of speaking about marketing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, everyone seems to Yeah, we're to all agree. on the same page. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then Sankodi of Assisi says, finishing chances in the box from a training perspective other than preventing injuries, there is no other answer. Yeah, if it was only that easy, eh? Could they hire one of those psychologists that puts players in a room and they close their eyes? It's like, imagine yourself scoring. <laughs> one thing that's important to note, though, is that, and I know Fury is not the only team in the league with injuries, and I'm not trying to make excuses, but the Fury starting 11, as envisioned by Mark DeSantos this offseason, hasn't been on the field. We haven't seen Richie Ryan and Julian de Guzman together, and that was his stated goal all along. And we haven't seen Ryan and Guzman play together. We haven't really seen a front three with Paolo Jr., Oliver, and I'm assuming Heinemann's the go-to striker up front. But I think with those two guys on the wing and Heinemann in the middle, he's going to get more chances than he could possibly ever squander. Maybe, but, maybe he'll still reach his 15 goals this season. <laughs> ha. <laughs> uh, I'll be, they'll, they'll be happy to get seven or eight out of him. I like one thing that Mark Lapointe was saying that he, he he's tweeted us and he said MDS should put Drew Becky's name on the team sheet every week. Yeah, he hasn't even been on the subs bench at times. Yeah, and he also questions uh, the training methods. Why players are dropping like flies? Like, well, how come so many players are getting injured in training? Is it the intense training that Chris Hoffley always talks about? Or they what? had five games in fourteen days and they traveled across the country twice. That takes a toll, especially considering a lot of these guys are coming from European backgrounds where, you know, the longest trip is an hour plane. Right. Right? I mean, they went Edmonton to New York in the span of three days and played 180 minutes. And they're flying and they're flying Air Canada, not WestJet. So, you know. <laughs> uh, that, that always makes a difference. As long as they stay away from Porter, they should be okay. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, do we have any other listener? Yeah, the, uh, Mark Lapointe actually wrote a very long paragraph, so you touched on two of his points. Um, and he, he also mentions that he doesn't like the smoke screens of refs and injuries that, that everyone's giving out. Like, uh, And this is something that Mark Lapointe, I know this, um, feels very strongly about that uh, after matches, Dos Santos you know, off protects the players and, and, and goes after the match officials. Because there's so much press on them. No, it's, it's just... no, but he does have a point. Like, uh, I think it was against Edmonton where everyone was blaming the ref, but you know, with the fury that shit the bag yeah, really six two on aggregate. And I think Carlos agrees with this too. I remember reading some comments on Twitter. 
180%. Speaking of which, that's the amount of minutes they got outplayed by Edmonton. No. They actually outplayed Edmonton for 75 minutes in the first leg of that Canadian championship. But the fact is, the club isn't doing itself any favors by calling out officials. But I think at this level, the officiating is just so bad across the board that every week, every team is going to feel like they've been robbed of at least a half-chance penalty or a half or a half-chance red card kind of thing, right? But... To come out and use that excuse every game and then say, oh, well, we've got injuries. Everyone in the league has injuries. You think Atlanta, that has 17 players on their roster, doesn't have injuries? I mean, they traveled to a game and they took a goalie and three subs. That was their bench. They had four guys on their bench because they play on the worst turf in the league and they were going up to Edmonton and up to New York. Every team in this league has injuries. Every team in this league gets screwed by officials on a semi-regular basis. And I, maybe maybe it's a tactic, like it's a psychological tactic where he wants to deflect the blame from his players because he knows they're not performing and they, they already know they're not performing and he doesn't want the media over them. But at the end of the day, officiating and injuries happen to everybody in the NASL. Edmonton probably has it worse than anybody because of the travel and the low budget. But what it comes down to is the team hasn't performed. And, and there's no way around that. And hearing the same excuses week after week, I'm, I'm sure must be frustrating for fans. Yeah, so Mark Lapointe actually ends his point by saying, for me, these next two games decide his future with the club. The squad is very, very good. If he can't get best, uh, the best out of them, someone else should try. And of course, he's uh, referring to Mark Dos Santos. Um, but uh, let's not get into that this week. Uh, let's see how the Fury perform uh, uh, in the next three to four games, and, and then we can we can uh, uh, analyze the Santos. <laughs> let's, let's not do that today. All right, let's take another break, and uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Hours is a Fury podcast. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Welcome back, guys, to our final section where we'll look uh, at the rest of the NASL, what happened there, and uh, also we want to point uh, you in the direction of the Ottawa Fury Academy. We're having another game for free at TD Place this Saturday at 3 p.m. against Lakeshore SC. Blocksmith is, is the self-proclaimed Ottawa Fury Academy expert. Do you want to say a few words about this? Uh, it's, it's good soccer. like It's good, fun, quick soccer, and it's free. And it's uh, the Battle of the Expansion Teams. <laughs> Lakeshore is a new team in the PLSQ this year. And it should be pretty good. So where's Lakeshore from? Montreal area, Montreal. of course. Yeah. Okay. Is the entire league based in and around Montreal? It is this year. Next year, uh, Quebec, uh, the Dynamo de Quebec is going to be joining. So there'll be a little more travel next year. They used to have a decent uh, W League team. Yes. Quebec, yeah. yeah. And they're looking to move beyond PLSQ too. So we'll see how that mm. develops. All right, so in the NASL, Jacksonville beat Indy 1-0. Yeah, so all the games this week, you know how there have been so many draws? The only draw this week was our game. Yeah. Yeah. So Jacksonville's second place in the league. Did anyone expect that? No. No, I expected nothing from them. (laughs) Uh, Big budget, like comparatively. Their their budget's probably fourth or fifth in the league, which I think is where they'll end up. They have a pretty good coaching staff, a lot of contacts in the Latin American soccer world, and you look at their team, it's almost all imports with U.S. ties, right? So, yeah. 
I mean, there's maybe one Anglo-Saxon name in their starting 11. That usually bodes well. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to be racist or biased in my soccer predictions, but their roster is better than Ottawa's. Their roster is better than Indy's. I'm not surprised they're up there, honestly. And uh, Minnesota finally got their first win. That's weird. Yeah, one nothing against Atlanta. Yeah. And San Antonio got their first win. Yeah. And of course, who scored that goal, Tim? Pablo Campos. Of course. Of course. He's, he's someone he's, he's someone that, because uh, he's surrounded with so many other good players, that he doesn't get as much attention. If he came and played for Ottawa, um, he would probably be the star of the team. Mm-hmm. So their attendance was pretty impressive at 9,000. Why did that happen? And everyone's excited for MLS? I don't know. Like, they're still playing out in Blaine, right? So, uh, there's a lot of hype about this team. They do very well. I think Minnesota, they do the best at promoting the team in the league. I think they even do... The Cosmos have a better TV deal, and San Antonio has a better TV deal and all that. But, like, just the energy around the club in Minnesota is so positive. Yeah, another good uh, attendance was in San Antonio, who beat Carolina 1-0. Uh, they had 7,500 people there. Yeah. And uh, Bright DK. I always say Bright DK, but Bright Dyke, he played his first game, right? <laughs> Bright Dyke. <laughs> That's not the, the, I know. the best name <laughs> in the world, eh? But yeah, it was interesting <laughs> to see him. And this is, uh, this is one I'm excited. Uh, Tim, can you tell us all about this New York-Edmonton game? It ended 4-2. Four? Four. New York. Oh, did Edmonton lose? They gave up four goals at home. <laughs> when does that ever happen? That's that's something new for them. Wow. Edmonton's had a complete role reversal this year. They've gone from being like the defensive juggernaut that ties games zero zero to being in like three two and four one games all the time. Yeah, it's but, weird. But they really up their attack. So, but it's it's the same decor. That's what I don't get. Like yeah. it's still Albert Watson <laughs> back there. You know, you got you guys know Steve Pakin from TVO. No, no. Okay. Well, he looks. He looks. Exa- he's a TV host, and he looks exactly like Albert Watson. Huh. So as we were saying earlier, we we'll go through the table. Of course, the Cosmos are number one with uh, fourteen points, and Jacksonville, big surprise, nah, because of Ottawa tying Tampa. Jacksonville's in second with nine points, goal differential. And surprise, surprise. We have three Florida. Well, well all f- three Florida teams in the top four. Because they don't have to travel very much. <laughs> yeah, you're always on about this, right? Always... Well, remember when we had... Um, um, who was it that said this? Um, uh, bah, 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 bah. Yeah, it was uh, Martin Nash that we had on. And he basically said the Charleston Battery won the USL because they had the shortest distances to travel, right? Yeah, and that it was a bus league, it. too. Yeah, I know it makes a difference yeah. busing, but it also makes a difference if, if two of your away matches are you know just down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, our next week opponents, we could actually catch them. They're only got six points. Uh, they're playing this weekend though, right? They're playing Minnesota. So Indy. Could, yeah, Indy. Yeah. So they could have nine points, but we could catch them if we uh, defeat them. By the end of this weekend, I'm expecting Fury to be bottom of the league. Thanks, Carlos. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I mean. Because Minnesota's one back, right? Yeah. Or sorry, San Antonio's yeah. one back. We have the bye. We have the bye. We have an extra game played, and everyone's within a point of us or tied with us. Yeah, it makes sense. So, but Ottawa's going to be 10th or 11th by the end of the weekend. Yeah, we're 10th. Who's FC Edmonton playing? 
Edmonton has uh, somebody at home. Oh, San Antonio. Yeah. They right. could they could very well lose that. Very well. Edmonton's a weird team. You never you never know. <laughs> Let's hope Edmonton just wins this one, so we're not in last place. San Antonio stays in last. No, you want them to lose, and so they. So so what do we call that? What do we call that last place spot? Is that like the Puerto Rico trophy or the the Antigua Barracuda trophy? Eleventh <laughs> wow. place just gets lopped off. Yeah, it just gets cut off. Well, maybe uh, next year we have some expansion teams. You know. 10th place won't look so bad. <laughs> so once again, this week we'll have a bye, which means no podcast uh, until what? after the match. I know. You sure I, you get a bye too. I know people are mm-hmm. weeping everywhere. and you know They're rioting in the streets of Ottawa tonight. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then we'll play the, in, uh, the Indy 11, um, who are actually hosting Minnesota this weekend. So the game to watch, uh, which is going to be tough for us to watch because we don't have an ESPN3, but if we can figure out a way to watch that game, um, would be smart to do so um, because then we'll learn a bit more about our opponent. Um, they have one win so far, three draws in five games. That, that sounds oddly familiar. Yeah, that sounds like our record. So, But they've played one less game than us, so... Well, they, they got the advantage on us on points. Um, their only win was against San Antonio. It was earlier in the season. It was a 2-1 win. And uh, they're not getting many, very many goals from their attack from their attackers. I, I looked it up, and it looked like there was only one goal from their three main attackers this season. And all the goals have been coming from their defenders, surprisingly, and a few from the midfield. So there's not a lot of attack in this team. And, of course, uh, Christian Nick is back with the team after his one-game loan slash signing. After getting shell-shocked in Montreal in the mm-hmm. Champions League Yeah, final. Ryan and I saw that live. Hey, Carlos, were you there at that game? Yep, I was there. That was... And you want to talk about a team that, holy crap, their season's gone downhill fast. The Montreal impact. <laughs> yeah, but they had so much fun, it's all worth it. So much fun, but, you know, bottom of the MLS with, like, six games in the next three weeks. <laughs> It's like waking up at the end of the semester and realize you bombed all your finals. That's what's <laughs> happened to the impact. Uh, yeah. They had a good time, but now they're paying for it. So probably the best-known player of India, Cleberson, is uh, Taurus Achilles or something? Achilles, yeah. He's done indefinitely. Could be a career. Could that be a could career be, under, for sure. That's unfortunate. Uh, there's, there's a player I really dislike on Indy 11, and I'll be on his case all game. It'll be Norales, uh, He's, yeah, he's a Honduran national team player right there. <laughs> I already dislike him, but uh, he's, he's kind of he's a, he's a well skilled player. He's a deadly player. He actually scores some goals as a defender, and he takes no prisoners. That's right. He will break your legs, and uh, so will everybody on Indy. Remember how last year's game ended? Yeah, um, I think Indy's uh, second in the league on cards. They're up there anyway. Um, I think they have how many? Yeah, nine nine yellow cards. So they're not they're not the nicest team to play against, but they're a team I think we can get three points against. And uh, Don Smart is their kind of like their super sub. Donnie. Yeah, he always comes on. He's super fast. He he always affects games. It's a it's kind of one of those players that we don't have the fury that. He's a funny looking dude though. <laughs> but he's really smart. But he's really smart. No, but yeah, he he was a difference maker in a couple of their games last year, and uh, 
I know him. He's a fan favorite down there. They love him. And they have their keeper back. We've played every game but two. I, f- I found him overrated. A lot of people are saying, you know, oh, he's the best NASL keeper and this and that. I mean, he still gave up like 1.8 goals a game last year or whatever. I mean, Indy was not known for clean sheets, and he was not known for making spectacular saves. Yeah, but you can't saves. blame him for conceding all those goals because, like, especially in the spring season, like, in Indy's defense was non-existent. Like, I remember when Ottawa played their first game against Indy ever, it was just, like, so easy for them. <laughs> like, does usually he, uh, it's not. Does he have that, uh, that little... Pop belly going on, the little 40-year-old going on. Because I remember last year he did. Last year, he he did not look like he was in Mönchengladbach form. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. He, he rocks a pretty amazing beard, though. True. Question. Best goalkeeper in the NSL right now? Pizer. I would say Matt Pickens. He's not even Tampa's first-choice keeper, though. Con Kontafalski yeah, from Fort Lauderdale last year is. You gotta you gotta think he is probably the best keeper in the league though. I don't know. Tim? Maurer. Really? I, I don't it's hard, it's hard to month. say because yeah. he doesn't get a lot of shots on him. That's it, is that everyone's like, oh player of the month because he gets clean yeah. sheets, but like uh, for whenever I watch him, he always looks kinda Shitty. nervous on air balls and he, he has a tendency to give up bad goals, you know? So Tim, who was that keeper that last year you always criticized for being too small? Akira Fitzgerald. And now he's playing for New York <laughs> City FC. <laughs> so we're not really experts on keepers. You know, New York City FC, their team is basically Frank Lampard, David Villa, and a bunch of NASL players. Because yeah, they had and no Frank Lampard yet. <laughs> he's coming. Just wait. He's coming. Yeah, uh, but we're digressing. Are, are we? Uh, do we have anything left to talk about in regards to this preview or, or this podcast? No, I, nah, we're I, Fury I, looking real good going into this bye week. <laughs> it's going to be a crucial bye week for the team. Yeah, hopefully they get they get you know healed up, healed up, use those magic spells and get healed up and uh, move into next week and hopefully beat Indy eleven. Well, Carlos, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, do you have anything you, you, you want to say to uh, our listeners or anything like that? I think FC Edmonton plays really attractive and organized soccer, and I think that uh, they're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> Calling it. <laughs> You've got to get a lot of flack on, on Twitter for that. Um, before you leave the podcast studio, though, Carlos. <laughs> um, <somebody> outside. <laughs> where can people find your work and, on Twitter? Uh, Twitter at Carlos77Verde, V-E-R-D-E. Um, I'm followed by all the main groups. Um, you can also listen in to my radio show on CKCU 93.1 FM. Listen live afterwards, ckcufm.com. We're on air Thursdays, 12 to 1. We always have a dedicated Fury segment, even for the bye week. We'll still have a Fury segment tomorrow. Uh, it's pretty neutral. We try and keep it objective. And, uh, you know, we, we preview the teams that are coming in on home games. So we previewed Tampa Bay. We talked to Thomas Rongen uh, last week before his team was in. So we try and, you know, keep it objective. But, yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm, I'm all about all kinds of sports. My Twitter feed is, you know, a lot of different sports. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. 
No worries. Uh, and Ottawa Fury Podcast can be found on Twitter at Ottawa Fury. We're on iTunes. What's that? iTunes. iTunes. Um, you can email us at our sister fury podcast at gmail.com and we have a little Facebook group that's uh, very lonely and what, would like some. I, l- I left it today. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll speak to you guys uh, after the uh, indie game. Toodles. See ya. Seriously, guys, how can we improve the team? Bring back the W League Strikers! Woo! Bubble soccer. I was thinking maybe... Blow it all up. Let's blow it all up. But uh, how very smart Ottawa City Councilor had recommended in the past. Why don't we use the pitch as a high-value parking lot? Fuck it all! <laughs>